0: Welcome back to the program. Great to welcome today. We're going to talk some tennis, and always great to talk tennis. It's one of my favorite uh, sports, and a great new book about tennis is out, and it's written by a man who has uh, really kind of made a name for himself uh, in the past few years on uh, YouTube with uh, his great uh, videos, Essential Tennis Channel, and he's written a book called Improve uh, Essential Tennis, I should say, Essential Tennis, Improve Faster, Play Smarter, and Win More Matches. We're joined today by uh, Ian Westerman. He's a, a tennis coach and a very talented man. He's based out in uh, the Midwest. in the milwaukee area and he joined us for a few minutes today to uh, kind of talk about uh, the book and what he's been doing as far as tennis goes and uh, his career and ian joined us by telephone today ian good to talk to you Uh, i've been a fan of yours on uh, youtube since i discovered the channel but uh, great to have a chance to talk you for a few minutes
1: uh thank you so much doug I, i really appreciate you having me on i love to talk about tennis and always good to talk to another media person
0: also yeah, a lot of fun to uh, play tennis, obviously, but you've kind of made it into a, a nice career for yourself. I know you're just kind of reading your bio a bit. You started out uh, as a college tennis player and, and did some coaching afterwards. Uh, uh, how long have you been doing the channel? I kind of discovered you, I guess, about two years ago now. How, how long have you been doing the videos?
1: Yeah, I started the YouTube channel back in 2009, and the first content I did was actually an audio podcast, which I'm still doing. I started that in 2008.
0: Okay, that long, great, great, yeah, because the the channel, like I said, uh, you discover things uh, sometimes by accident on on YouTube. So I'm glad I did, and and, then the subscriber base has really grown for you. I've I've noticed that, and just in the last two years, I've watched you, and I know you've changed venues a couple of times. Uh, That was a bit of a a, a, a tough part for you, I guess, going end of last year, but uh, you found a place pretty quickly, right?
1: Yeah, like a lot of people, my my normal work routine really got. Shaken up, I, I got displaced from the space that I was leasing, and so yeah, I, I've had to be a little bit creative, and I'm working more from home now, like a lot of people, and basically just renting court time by the hour instead of having a full time full time access to like a 24 hour uh, court that I could use however I wanted. So uh, it's not quite as nice as uh, before the the pandemic, but I'm still putting out as much content as ever and really enjoying it. So so it's been a good shift.
0: And just for people maybe not aware of the channel, Essential Tennis is the name of the channel. Ian not only does uh, instruction, which is uh, you know great to watch as well, but you also do uh, kind of fun matches between different levels of players. You do uh, uh, kind of reviews of uh, professional matches and uh, kind of some fun stuff. So it's not just strictly uh, you know how to hit a forehand, how to hit a backhand, which is you do, but you, you do a lot of different things. Well,
1: yeah, I've actually over the years because I've been making. YouTube and instructional videos for 13 years now. To be totally honest, I got to a point where I was a little bit burned out on the, here's the three keys to hitting a powerful serve uh, <laughs> over and over again. And so over the last couple of years in particular, I really have pivoted towards creating content that's more so inspirational, that's, that's entertaining, that teaches people, but more, more so through doing instead of explaining and doing like the educational thing. I still love making educational videos, but I'm more so passionate recently about uh, sharing and exploring stories of real life tennis players and, and uh, delivering those as, as entertainingly as I can so that people really get engaged uh, as much as possible.
0: Well, that's kind of what sets your tennis channel apart uh, f- from the other ones, and there's some of the good ones, no, no doubt about it, but uh, what I've enjoyed about watching yours, and the instructional part is fun, but uh, you, you kind of uh, you know, do matches that you play different players yourself, uh, you do a little bit of challenges, but like you said, it's more of the uh, maybe the, the, the mental part of the game or just the, uh, the the human part of the game. Maybe that's a better way to put it where, you know, you get into uh, what people are feeling out there and just enjoying it rather than just make it, uh, you know, work.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. There's a huge emphasis and, and rightly so um, how to swing the racket, how to hold the racket and low to high and all that good stuff. And that that's important to know how to be competent and using your body and using the equipment that we have to, to play with. But, when you compare it to all the rest of the different parts of the game, the different facets, the mental, the emotional, the tactical, the strategic, the psychological you know, side of it, you're out there all by yourself mm-hmm. on like a literal stage having to perform while, while other people are watching and dealing with your own humanity <laughs> while trying to work out you know, how to hit your backhand is is a huge part of it and so yeah i have really enjoyed exploring more that side of it recently and and making not just like entertaining content but also educational content about those different parts of the game is really interesting to me
0: and the production values are are very good Um, i don't know if you do it yourself or you have a team that does it but uh you know some channels we look at you know it's not the greatest production but you you do some good stuff so whoever's doing it for you unless you do it yourself great job (laughs)
1: Yeah, I've got two, two guys that have been on full-time for a while that do production work for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely very involved in it. Uh, the first five years, I did it all myself. So so I had a lot of repetitions before I had anybody on full-time. But the last seven or eight years, I've had a team of at least two or three guys uh, that help with the shooting and the editing and the publishing, and, and they do amazing job.
0: Before we get into the, the book uh, itself, let's talk a little bit about your background. I mentioned that you did play college tennis, right? Uh, where'd you go to college?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, I went to college at a school called Ferris State in Michigan. It's a little bit north of Grand Rapids, and I played three years of D2 college tennis there.
0: Okay, and that uh, right after that, I, I believe, just from reading your, your bio, you got a job as a pro somewhere, right? Was it Maryland?
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I came back to Wisconsin for about a year, year and a half. My, my wife and I got married and just kind of got our career started, but we immediately started looking out east where we had both spent some time during college and internships and wanted to get out of the midwest for a little while so yeah my first uh year-round full-time job was in the dc area
0: and that's something you always you were looking toward being a tennis working in tennis professionally right from from college mean, was that what your your goal was at the time or did you kind of go into that afterward thinking hey i like playing as a on a team now i want to coach it
1: No, it was very purposeful. The college I went to had a program called Professional Tennis Management and they worked hand-in-hand with the USPTA so that it was a four-year business marketing degree with a minor in professional tennis and you graduated a certified tennis instructor and so I I went into college knowing I wanted to teach full-time. Tennis was my passion. I just wanted to be around it and figure out how to get paid to be around the sport. So when I found out I could I can make a career out of coaching. Uh, that's that's what I w- went all in on for sure. So it was, it was my goal from the beginning to be around tennis and to teach people for a living.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, of course, growing up in the Midwest and, and working in the Midwest, I grew up in New York, so tennis was basically a four- or five-month sport. Sometimes you could squeeze it into uh, in November before the weather got bad and you had to go indoors. But we didn't do too much indoors because it was expensive in New York. Uh, I guess that's the challenge of teaching tennis in the Midwest, right? The weather.
1: Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, different parts are, are, it's more part of the culture and, and bigger than others. Here in Milwaukee, in the Milwaukee area, it's, it's not super popular. So there's options and it's, it's definitely more expensive than if you want to play, you know, basketball recreationally or racquetball or something like that. So yeah, for some people, it is cost prohibitive, especially up here in, in the north. Uh, but it looks like you're, you're down in the south now, Doug. And, and so it's, it's, uh, amazing environment down there to be able to play around.
0: Yeah, I've been down here uh, quite a while now, since the early 90s. And, uh, yeah, tennis, uh, although they say now a lot of tennis players are getting upset, uh, they're building more pickleball courts than tennis courts. Pickleball is becoming kind of a, uh, a, a, I guess, a competitor to the game of tennis. I haven't tried it yet. I'd like to try it, but I hope that doesn't happen because tennis is still a great game.
1: Yeah, pickleball, it's a hot-button issue in the tennis industry right now. And I, I, I have mixed emotions on it. It's a lot of fun. I've played it quite a bit myself. And it's more accessible. It's easier to play than tennis. It's not as physical, and so it's it is taking some people from tennis that are having a hard time covering the court maybe as well as they used right. to. And so for that reason, you know specifically, I think it's a great it's a great game. It's a great opportunity for people to stay active and to play a game that's a, a paddle game or a racket game like tennis, but isn't quite as physically demanding. So, so yeah, I think it's a great game. But I'm going to be all in on tennis as long as as long as my body can can take the extra wear and tear of tennis. That's where I'm going to be.
0: That's the way I look at it. I'm not against pickleball, but I'm not ready just to do that yet. Strictly pickleball. <laughs> I, okay. I can still run a little bit. Okay. So I want to stay on the courts, tennis courts. <laughs> Absolutely. You're a yeah, left-hander. A so leader. I imagine, uh, you grew up as a McEnroe fan. Am I right about that?
1: <laughs> uh, Mac. Yeah. Johnny Mac. So I grew up starting to watch tennis in the nineties. So, uh, he was just kind of on his way out and Sampras was like on his way up right. when I started watching tennis. So uh, I was really lucky to grow up in this, this, the uh, the sampras Agassiz era and I was more so, I've always been better at the net than at the baseline. So so I was a big Sampras uh, fan growing up, watching him still serving and volleying and chipping and charging.
0: Yeah, yeah. I grew up a little little bit older than you, so I, I, I caught the uh, kind of the tennis boom, the late tennis boom of the... Uh the late '70s and then into the '80s, where you got to see McEnroe and Borg and Connors yeah. and and those players, and then leading into right, like I said, Sampras and uh, and that era, uh, Agassi, and then uh, unfortunately, I mean, it's still great now. You got the top three, but it's not quite the same as it was. I think even when you grew up, you might agree in the '90s and even in the '80s before that, as far as popularity. I hope it comes back.
1: It feels like we're. It feels like we're maybe a little bit on the, the downside of that yeah. trend, but but not by a lot. I mean, uh, yeah, Federer's been sidelined for a little while. Djokovic was out for a little while. Yeah, the, the big three, Serena, you know, is not active. So, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's uh, quite as big as a, a year or two ago, but I think we're probably still up close to around the peak of that, you know, kind of the big three era. Um, and, I I think it's important just to appreciate every time any of the big three plays, you know, from here on out, just to enjoy the fact that we were in such a golden era the last 15 or 20 years or so. uh, And we're blessed to still be able to watch them play a little bit, you know, here and there. So for me personally, I'm, I'm not really thinking ahead too much yet because it kind of scares me when I do, I'm trying to enjoy every last (laughs) drop of uh, this, this uh, span that we've been in the last couple of years.
0: And I hope, America can start producing some players again. I know McEnroe's talked about that a lot on the broadcast he does, and uh, just we're not producing the great American players anymore. Uh, I don't know if it's because the colleges aren't uh, getting the players. I'm not sure. Maybe you have some thoughts on that. But, uh, you know, tennis is great in Europe and around the world, I think. But as far as popularity in America, it's not going to be back the way it was unless we get another player like a McEnroe or a Sampras.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a catch-22, and I mean, when you think about it, Doug, in terms of popularity, I think that's the key word that you just said there, uh, setting up that topic. Uh, when you look at what the kids, you know, are inspired by and what they're passionate about, it's the it's football, it's basketball, it's, it's baseball. Tennis is, even back in the 70s, yeah, there was a boom that, back then, and, and it was uh, really hot, uh, but it still wasn't you know, in the top two or three, you know, sports in America. So frankly, the fact that we had, you know, McEnroe and we, we had Agassi and Sampras and Steffi Graff and Serena Williams, the fact that we had those players in spite of the fact that tennis has always been kind of a fringe, outlier, kind of country club, kind oh, of uh, activity, I, I think it's pretty incredible that we've had the players that we have had. And when you look over the last 10 or 15 years, I mean, You know, John Isner, Taylor Fritz. I mean, sure, are are they in, you know, uh, Grand Slam finals? Uh, No. But are they, you know, in the top 10, top 20, you know, year after year pretty consistently? There's been about half a dozen or maybe 8 or 10 players or so over the last 10 or 12 years. We've had players, just not the, like, dominant forces that we've seen in in other areas. And I don't necessarily think that's, like, underperforming relative to how popular tennis is in America.
0: Right. Although television, uh, again, you go back to you know even the era where you started watching, it was still on CBS. Uh, most of the uh, U.S. Open and uh, yeah. NBC had uh, had Wimbledon and all that. Uh, you know now you have to really look for tennis. Uh, ESPN has a lot of it, but some of it you just got to find in the tennis channel. So you really got to look for the sport now, as far as opposed to years ago, was on the networks.
1: Yeah, it's true, but but that's been the case across media in general. That's true. As, yeah, right media has been democratized and there's so much of like whatever you want. Like if you're into tiddlywinks, there's probably, (laughs) (laughs) there's probably a YouTube channel, you know, for that. And so things have just been kind of a little bit more fragmented and they found their own special, you know, places and corners of the internet. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would, I guess say broadcast, you know, mainstream household, uh, content has really kind of been disrupted as a whole. So I agree, you know, uh, Strawberries and cream at you know the breakfast at Wimbledon. Right, it made it feel much more special back in the day. But um, but media has gone through a lot of transformation over the last ten or twenty years. I think it's more so having to do with that than it is uh,
0: tennis. I don't know if you ever had a chance to, to meet uh, uh, Bud Collins. I think he was probably the greatest. Uh, Tennis color yeah. broadcaster of all time I had a chance to interview him once. He used to come down to Sarasota once a year for his hackers tournament, but uh, I, I miss guys like that on TV covering tennis. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it, that was definitely part of it. Yeah, you, you had the the characters, you you had the traditions, and and tennis will always be strong in those areas, but but it has changed, and I, I don't I don't blame people for for missing you know the good old days. Um, there, there was it, it felt a little bit more special uh, back then, but. But if you know where to find it, you know it's all still there. And in fact, I would argue there's much more now between myself and all the other uh, creators that are that are putting out uh, really unique niche content around the the topic of uh, tennis. There's there's more now than ever, Uh, and it's more personal and it's more real. It it might not have the same uh, pomp and uh, that it used to, but uh, but it's different now.
0: We're talking with Ian Westerman, and the name of the book is Essential Tennis: Improve Faster, Play Smarter, and Win More Matches. Let's just talk about the book a little bit. I had a chance to read through it, and, and I think what again sets it apart uh, not only you, know, you have the nuts and bolts of, of some instruction in there, but you have uh, really your voice comes through. And I think uh, if that was your goal, you, you hit it because it feels like you're like I'm talking to you now. That comes through in the reading of the book, and uh, uh, I congratulate you on that because a lot of times instructional books uh, are pretty dry, but I got the feeling you were talking to me directly, and I think that's the goal of the book, and and you got it.
1: Yeah, I'm really happy to to hear that. Uh, Thanks for saying that. It was definitely a goal, and it was a concern of mine starting off with the project because I was working with a a co-writer, and Joel did an incredible job. I mean, that was kind of like the test early on he and I started working on the book over five years ago Mm -hmm. and that was it definitely my top two or three concerns before we ever really decided to work together was we did a little bit of sample content together and he did an incredible job of of maintaining uh my speech and I think I, I would just basically credit that a to Joel's talent as a writer but b just the volume of content I've created over the years I've I've published somewhere north of 10,000 pieces of content between wow. written uh written content, videos and audio podcasts. And so after that many repetitions you kind of develop uh you know a voice and if if you're a talented writer like Joel is um I don't think it's too hard to kind of pick up on what those uh what those key, you know, intonations uh, nice. obviously not in the written word but uh, cadence and, and phraseology and, you know, vocabulary. Um, I think you did an amazing job. And also the content was all inspired by other things that I've created in the past. We right. started out with 150 kind of core pieces of content. Joel just wanted to know, like if, if you had to put, you know, a hundred different thoughts that are like your core philosophy, like what would that be? And so he basically worked off of um, other pieces of content I'd already created and then turned it into literature form, mm-hmm. which, frankly, he did a much better job than I ever could have. I, I'm good at creating content, but I don't have the patience for as big and long of a project as what we put together. Right. And uh, I don't have experience putting together like a real book, and that's where his experience was really invaluable.
0: And this book, again, is not just for beginners. It's for Basically, all types of, uh, all levels of players, you can come in and and get, obviously, get something out of the book, right? It's not just from beginning, all or beginners only. You can go up to a 4.0, 5.0, level, right? And get something out of this.
1: Yeah. That was another core goal of ours was to make it as useful and practical for all levels of play as possible. And that's only possible when. It's a more of a it's more of a philosophical book than it is like you're what you're not gonna find in essential tennis is how to hit a forehand and like uh image one, image two, like here's right. position, you know, here's the setup, here's the racket drop, here's contact point, here's the follow through. Like there there isn't any of that. Um it, rather than be uh prescriptive and say, here's how to hit a tennis ball, it's much more philosophical in terms of um, let's think about the core principles that make up all good tennis players, as opposed to um, here's the basics of like how to hit a volley. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to explain, uh, but philosophical is the best word I can come up with. It's uh, in reviews. Multiple people have ref- called it their new like tennis Bible. And it's because it touches on the emotional, the psychological, the mental, as well as, uh, tactics and strategy, as well as how to use the body uh, efficiently and smoothly, uh, things that apply to all tennis shots for all levels of play and not just a, a particular type of person.
0: Well, I know I'm going to get, I got something, a couple things out of the book just from, I play in some Ultimate Tennis League down here, so a couple things have already worked and I'm going to try them again. I'm in, I'm in a sing, summer singles league, so I'm going to try some of that mental stuff because I need some help there as far as keeping my head in there. <laughs> not get too frustrated.
1: <laughs> we all do. Yeah, it's it's not just you, trust me. It's the I know. reason why it, it takes up a, a good chunk of the book. It's been a big challenge for me in the past and I feel really blessed that I get to pass on what, what I've learned for, that works for myself and
0: also my students. Before we wrap up, uh, I'll just ask you the, the basic or the, I guess the, the talk show kind of question. What What's the best thing you probably learned from doing this project? Uh, and, and what's the biggest uh, issue you have as far as teaching tennis? What, what's the biggest mistake people make?
1: Oh, man. Well, the I guess the biggest thing I learned uh, putting the book together is just how interconnected everything is. When, when we set out to create the book, and the finished product is, is 38 chapters. And the way that Joel kind of wove in and connected each chapter to the next, it really helped me to understand how interconnected all those different things are, the physical, the mental, the, the tactical, the, the strategy. And so that's what makes tennis so enjoyable and such an incredible lifelong uh, game and endeavor is you get to learn about yourself you know, as sure. a person. What makes up you? What makes you who you are? Gets revealed on the court as you uh, get presented with challenges and obstacles. You you have to try to figure them out, you know, on the fly. So it was really fun connecting all those dots and putting all those different things into one resource and making it all flow in a cohesive way. Um, So that was probably the the most fun thing I uh, I learned putting the the content together. Um, In terms of like the most I, what I keep coming back to in my coaching in person, Doug, over and over again, is this idea of using big parts of the body mm-hmm. to hit the tennis ball and right. not small parts of the body. And I can't tell you how universal. I When I work with a 4-5 level tennis player, that same theme is, is at the forefront. And when I work with a beginner, it's at the forefront. Uh, on a serve, on a volley, on a ground stroke, However however well a player uses the the big, stable, strong parts of the body, the hips, the torso, the the core, to provide and deliver energy into the arm, the more smooth and flowing and efficient their game is going to be. The less those big parts of the body are engaged, the more the small parts have to make up for it and actually do the hitting. And so that's when you see players that have very uh, jerky, Uh, inefficient tight you know short kind of choppy technique which is really common for tennis players that's how that's where players are going to struggle to hit good shots consistently and that's where they're going to get hurt and their body is going to start to experience pain and in a nutshell that's what I work on with every player every level every shot is basically kind of comes down to that core theme or idea.
0: Yeah, I, I I I try and do that uh, on the serve. I'm mean, trying to do it on every shot, but the serve. If you could get the full body into it, you could serve all day, and your arms never going to get tired. Now, that's the whole key exactly. to that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I got that out of the book as well. But uh, I've tried to do that. So it's kind of the, uh, the what the linkage or the core from bottom to top. That's what you, is that how you say it in the book? Yeah, the, Ener- energy the linkage. Right? Yeah.
1: The principle we talk about is the kinetic chain. Kinetic chain. Uh, uh, you
0: know, I couldn't think of the word. Kinetic chain. That's yeah. It. yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You had linkage. Yeah. You had all the. You had all the ideas <laughs> that. Yeah. That's, that's the the body is designed to work in a certain sequence so that energy can flow from those big, strong, stable parts out through the the smaller parts. Right. The arm, really, and the shoulder. You know, and the hand. Yeah. There's some active acceleration happening, but more so, those smaller parts are really meant to just be a conduit to deliver energy from the bigger parts. But your average tennis player totally reverses that. And even though they think they're using their body, they're really just using the arm, to power the shot. And that's why they get tired. That's why they spray the ball over the place. Uh, And that's why the performance isn't as good as what
0: they'd like. Yeah, I always thought, kind of made the serve, or thought of the serve as a a baseball pitcher. Because they they do the the good pitchers, it's pitching from the legs and the hips and the big muscles. And the arm is basically just the last thing that sends the ball forward. So the serve is very similar to that. Yeah, At least I try and do it that way.
1: Definitely. Yeah, what's fascinating as you look across every sport is the principles are exactly the same. Whether yeah. you're a hockey player or a boxer or a baseball pitcher or a football quarterback, like the the power delivery, you know, mechanisms are are all the same. The the actual technique might look a little bit different depending on what you're trying to provide force into right but that same principle of using the big parts and keeping the small parts relaxed remains the same across all of them
0: well Ian I could go on talking tennis for an hour but we 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 went over the time I already told you so I'll let you go now but let me give the title once again it's called essential tennis improve faster play smarter and win more matches and Ian Westerman has been our guest today and please check out his essential tennis channel on YouTube and uh, Ian I know the book's probably available everywhere but do you have a particular website you want to direct people to
1: I think Amazon is just the easiest for everybody these days. You can get it the next day, pretty much no matter where you are, uh, international. uh, It's available everywhere. Uh, So, yeah, I would definitely check out Amazon.
0: And you're, of course, uh, in addition to the tennis channel, you're available for local coaching. You do that in the Midwest as well, right? You do private lessons, private coaching.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty limited, but I do. I only I only have time for a couple students per month. Most of what I do is the on the digital side of things, right. and that's by design. It it reaches more people. I'm able to make a bigger impact, and so I still do coach regularly. But it's I don't have a, a normal you know 40 hour a week schedule like most coaches do.
0: Are you able? I'm not not, not going for numbers or anything, but are you able to make a pretty much full time living now with the YouTube?
1: Uh, not directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, indirectly, yes. Okay. Basically, the YouTube, uh, if I take the, the, like the ad revenue from YouTube, it only supports about 10% of our monthly right. uh, needs in terms of keeping the business running at its current size. So basically, the business model more so is to use the YouTube audience to let them know about other resources that we have for right. sale. Uh, and there's... Over 2,000 videos on our YouTube channel. If you don't want to pay for anything, you can pretty much learn whatever you need on the <laughs> channel. So we, we provide tons of in-depth uh Resources and coaching that are available for pay as well at essentialtennis.com.
0: Great, yeah. Originally, I asked him, and I'm on it. But you know, just kind of uh, to get you know put the interviews up there as well. But I just wondered. uh, uh, So many people do great work like yourself. You you hope that uh, there is enough money in it that 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 pays you well. So well, it'll it's still growing though. I mean, your channel continues to grow, so that's great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm super blessed. Mm -hmm. I I I support my family and three other uh, families, three other full time uh, individuals as well. So. So, yeah, we, we have, we've got lots of support. I feel really grateful for people like you and uh, everybody else watching and listening that help, helps us keep doing what we're doing.
0: Yeah, Westerman, real pleasure to have a chance to actually talk to you for a few minutes. Again, I will continue to watch that channel, and uh, I know you'll have future projects down the road, so we'd love to have you back uh, when whatever that is comes out. But uh, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Doug. I appreciate your time. Uh, great questions. Always a, a pleasure to talk with another tennis fan. Thanks for having me on.
0: I'm Stan Brock.